King Herod heard of the disciples' preaching, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying John the baptizer had been raised from the dead, and for this reason those powers are at work in him. But others said it is Elijah, and others said it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately, she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guest, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The scripture texts that we read on a Sunday come from a lectionary, which is a calendar of specific Bible passages picked for certain days. There's not enough time on Sunday mornings in a single year or even a three-year cycle to read the whole Bible. But the idea is that the passages that are picked give us a sense of the Bible as a whole. This is often good for us preachers. It means I don't have to figure out which scripture passage to read each week. And most of the time, it's good for the congregation, too. It means you don't have to sit through a thousand sermons week after week on the prodigal son or any other of my personal favorite texts. One of the joys of the lectionary is that it can introduce you to a new passage of scripture that you're unfamiliar with. But one of the challenges of the lectionary 
is that it makes us confront texts that we don't like, bringing us face-to-face with difficult-to-interpret, even gruesome passages, and asking us to find the grace in them. Where is the good news? And that's our situation today, on this July morning, when you've made the choice to worship instead of doing any number of fun summer activities, like gathering with friends or raspberry picking or hanging out at the beach. Instead, we are tasked with wrestling with the story of John the Baptist's beheading, leaving us wondering, what does John's story say to us today as people who follow Christ? This passage from the Gospel of Mark is framed as a flashback. When Herod thinks about John the Baptist, he is still tortured with guilt over his part in killing John. Herod hears of the work that Jesus' disciples are doing, that they're preaching and healing the sick and casting out demons, and Herod believes that Jesus must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. He's not right, of course, but he knows that they're connected. He recognizes this holy work. John the baptizer was a man called by God to pave the way for the ministry of Jesus Christ. He stood in the wilderness looking pretty wild himself, and he preached repentance Turn away from whatever you're doing and return to God. There is one coming after me who will change everything. John was a prophet, and as a prophet, he spoke against popular culture and against those in power, pointing out the ways that they were living apart from God's law. In his courageous truth-telling, John criticized the people who were supposed to live above criticism, King Herod and the monarchy. John spoke against King Herod for taking and marrying his brother's wife, while his brother was still alive, mind you. His wife Herodias was furious with John for the shame he made her feel and for being bold enough to speak out against anything that the king did. Herod recognized that John was a holy and righteous man. He imprisoned him for speaking out, but he didn't kill him. Until, as we read today, the day when hosting a birthday banquet, when he was amused by his stepdaughter's dancing and filled with too much wine and made a rash promise, in front of too many people. And tragically, John the baptizer, an innocent man, was killed, simply for being a truth-teller, and by trying to hold those in power accountable for their actions. This passage of scripture is sometimes categorized as a text of terror, one of the texts in the Bible that reveals the darker side of human life. In this case, adultery, undeserved imprisonment, and execution. Showing what we're capable of when we live in opposition of what God 
desires for humankind. The good news is a little tough to find here. We are confronted with the tragic reality of the way that power corrupts and the way that dissenting voices are marginalized and silenced. And even though we don't live in a country that beheads dissenters, I'm sure we can think of many modern examples of the ways that those who think differently are discredited and silenced by those in power. The terror in this story is still relevant today, though that doesn't make it any easier to read. The gospel writer made a choice here. The gospel writer believes that this story is worth including. And I'd like to remind you that the gospel of Mark is the shortest gospel. It's quite efficient with words. There's nothing said of Jesus' birth. There's no long conversations with seekers as there is in John's gospel. It has fewer parables. But in this very short gospel of Mark, John's death was worth taking the time to share and in great detail. Perhaps it's worth telling because Mark is already preparing us for the passion of Jesus. The gospel writer is being upfront about the danger here of what is being written down. Those first followers of Jesus are risking their lives. John dies just as Jesus will because they are a threat to those in power. This is a new way of thinking and living and worshiping which shakes up the status quo and angers the establishment. The good news that they proclaim, it won't sound like good news to everyone. John dies, but his legacy lives on. He spent his whole life listening to and following God. Imagine the number of people who were ready to follow Jesus because of John's testimony in the wilderness. All the lives that were changed by the message of repentance, the people who did, in fact, turn back to God as John baptized the crowds in the Jordan River. And just like each of us, the promise is that by sharing in the baptism of Christ, John will also share in the resurrection of Christ, that death isn't the end for John. John's story reveals both the sometimes high cost of discipleship and also the promise of discipleship. In our second reading this morning in the letter to the Ephesians, we learn of the many blessings we have by following Christ that we've been given every spiritual blessing in heaven, grace freely bestowed on us, redemption, forgiveness, wisdom and insight, a purpose to live for God's glory and marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And if we were just to read a little bit further in Mark's gospel, almost immediately after Herod's banquet, is the feeding of the 5,000. An intentional, stark contrast. Herod's banquet was an ugly display of power and riches. Jesus 
will have compassion for the hungry, make a small amount of bread, feed a multitude. Everyone will be welcomed, everyone worthy, everyone loved and cared for, everyone fed with as much as they need. Jesus is a different kind of king. One worth following. The one who reveals what God most desires for us. Not Herod's banquet of death, but a feast of life. It's a vision of heaven on earth so powerful, so beautiful, that it is worth the risk of following Jesus. At the front of our worship space sits our baptismal font. The font doesn't wash away suffering or heartache. The font doesn't promise endless wealth. The font doesn't promise perfection or even happiness. In fact, the promise of baptism might be just the opposite. That these transforming waters cause our hearts to break whenever we encounter injustice. Give us compassion to feed a hungry crowd with the little we have. Remind us that we are not perfect, but we receive endless grace. Fill us not with fleeting happiness, but with abundant joy that is found in the presence of God's love. The font promises a welcome place for all who thirst. A life joined with Jesus that shares in the baptism, ministry, death, and resurrection of Christ. Holy God, Let our lives point to Jesus. May we do our part to host the life-giving feast. And may our legacy be love. Amen.